0: Please, Sean. Notice the name of today's talk. Music. It's no business like show business. We've been talking about seven foundations of Messianic Jewish worship, renewal. We've gotten these seven foundations from the story of our people's return to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple after the destruction of the first temple, and after King Cyrus gave permission for the Jews to go back to Jerusalem and build the temple. They went back there, and at first, uh, and they had, there were about just under 5,000 people who went back, but they got kind of bogged down. And so God sent them two prophets, Haggai, or as. as uh, J. Vernon McGee McGee called them Haggai, Haggai and Zechariah, the two prophets that God sent at that time, and Haggai and Zechariah added two more. There were five things that uh, we find in Ezra chapter 3 that were foundations of restored worship. The restoration of the Mizbeach, the altar, the restoration of the Mechonah, they restored them as the altar, on the very place where the former altar had stood. So there's a continuity. When we have worship renewal, we just don't create something new. It has continuity with the past. That's what they did. And then we talked about the sacrifices, we talked about various things. Last week, we skipped ahead to number six, because both uh, uh, Haggai and Jeremiah, sorry, and Zechariah talk about the coming of the Spirit, that the Spirit, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. That was from last week's Haftorah reading. So last week we jumped ahead to number six, which is God's mighty Holy Spirit. This we were going back and picking up number five, which is music. So would you go ahead and, uh, and it's no business like show business I've been to Messianic congregations, which I call Messianic entertainment centers. Now, I don't mind entertainment. I like being entertained. My sister is the most entertained person in the history of the universe. She lives at a condominium complex in Florida, where she goes to two or three shows every week. I, I would go crazy after about a month, but she's been there for many years. But, But it's no business like show business. In other words... I just want you to know, in case I drop dead before the end of the sermon, I want you to know one of my major points. The worship of our congregation the music in our congregations is not there to entertain us. Worship music is no business like show business. And there are congregations I've been to where the whole point of the music is that people should have a good time. There are some congregations where people dance Now, I'm not against dancing. I'm not a Baptist. But where people dance, where the song could say, God is great, Yeshua is not so great, and they'd be dancing the tuchuses off. Because all that matters is that it's very exciting music and they really love it. But they're not paying attention. Worship is all about paying careful attention to who God is and what he's done. So whatever music worship at a synagogue, or a church for that matter, is about. It is not show business. One of the advantages of getting older is you get to be a cranky old man, unless you're a woman, in which case you get to be a cranky old woman. I like being cranky. I've been cranky for all my life, but now I've got an excuse. And uh, The music... It's, it's, not, it's not there to simply entertain us. This, as a matter of fact, let me ask you another question. We call this a service. Question. Who is being served? That's an important question. We call it a service. Who is supposed to be served at a service. Is it us who is supposed to be served? No. As you're going to see today, it is God who is served. This is our priestly worship of God. So we're not here for our entertainment, although God knows I don't believe in having boring, disgusting services that you just want to blow your brains out to endure them. I don't believe in that. I do believe services should be interesting and well done. But really, they're not here for our entertainment, for the pleasure of God. Do we understand each other? Okay. So let's let's plow ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Thank you, Sean. Okay. When worship music is bad, there's three to- three ways it's bad. First of all, when it's really sloppy, you know, I, my, my wife's mother was an extraordinarily outspoken woman. She had no, no uh guard over her mouth. As soon as something entered her mind, it was out. You know, she went to a prayer meeting once, and they had a little bit of singing before the prayer meeting. And then the woman who was leading the prayer meeting says, Now, wasn't that wonderful? And my mother-in-law said, I think it was terrible. And it probably was. And, you know, you've gone to services where somebody says, I'd like to sing for you a song that the Lord gave me. And then the song makes you want to have to that song. You know. Uh, um, Let's think. What makes music, worship music, bad? When it's sloppy, when it's very poorly done. uh, uh, I'm always trying to improve my act sometimes. I'm not crazy about how I do things, but I'm always trying to improve my, my music. When it's manipulative, it's what I call the gospel. You ever been to a service? Many of you have. The gospel according to adrenaline. The gospel according to adrenaline is a service where the music is there to pump you up, to get you all excited. Well, I don't mind being excited, but I'd rather be excited at a football game or a basketball game or a baseball game but but, but, when the music is used to kind of rev you up, it's used to manipulate how you feel there you know y- y- how many of you know who this? I knew his brother in Northern California. His brother was ten years older than uh, ten years younger than him. His name is Jim Hayford. Jim Hayford looks like a banker, but he's one of the- uh, but he's a Pentecostal. He had a church called Zion Fellowship in Danville, California. And he was one of the most wisest people I've ever met. And he said, why is it that whenever we talk about the Holy Spirit, the organ comes up and the lights go down? (laughs) He's talking about manipulation. Music is very often used to manipulate people's feelings. Um, I know I sound like a cranky old man, but that's wrong. The service is not there and the music is not there to manipulate you. It's there for him. So that also makes a bad service and it's unsuitable. You know, if, uh, if, uh, if, I, if I said this morning, okay, we're going to do some worship. Okay, let's go. You ready? Oh, the weather outside is frightful and the fire is still delightful. Oh, since there's no place to go, let us know, let us know, let us know. Everybody! No, that would be terrible. A synagogue is the wrong place for me to be singing, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow, even in June. So the music should be appropriate to the context. We try at avacion, we try is too, too weak a word. We're committed to having music which is culturally. Compatible with our identity as a Jewish worshipping community. We make no apologies for it. It doesn't mean that we, don't, we despise other music. But we want music that's appropriate to our context. So these are three things about bad music. When it's inappropriate to the context, when it's manipulative, when it's sloppy. Please go ahead, Sean. <clears throat> when music is good. <coughs> I think worship music is good. When it has us, <laughs> it causes us to think worthy thoughts about God. Um, some music is, n- is not geared to that at all. It's just geared to manipulate you. You say hallelujah 17 times, and then 17 times more, and 17 times more. And uh, that's a nice word. But what are you thinking about God? <laughs> Who knows? The music should have us, cause us to think worthy thoughts about God Help us to say right things should be right things, of God and to God. It, it, it should not only what we think, but what we say. It's worship. We're, just, we're declaring who He is. As we went through the liturgy today, uh, it's amazing. <coughs> the, the whole liturgy you went through today, it's all about how great God is. It's all about declaring and saying, reminding ourselves, and acknowledging to God how great he is. It's all about him. That is worship. And that's the way worship music should be. It nurtures feelings conducive to loving God. Feelings, it moves us in a holy direction, evaluating ourselves. There's a man named Martin Goldsmith. Martin Goldsmith is a genius. He's in his 80s. He's a Jew. Lives in uh, the U.K. Really bright man. He was a very effective missionary in the Arab world, but he was so culturally assimilated to Arab culture they never guessed he was a Jew with a name like Goldsmith, Martin Goldsmith, you know. But he would go, and he was. He's uh, an expert on on on, on dust on, on Russian uh, culture. He's also an expert on Arab culture, and. Uh, a group called Operation Mobilization which is a radical missionary organization he, they asked him to speak at a big conference of theirs in Europe and he was looking at the hymn books from the charismatic renewal in Europe the hymn books, the song books that they're using and he couldn't find songs about repentance all the songs are triumphalistic you know uh, uh, about how, how God is leading us to victory and how, uh, thank you very much and how uh, we're going we're to smite Uh, smite the enemy and all that but no songs about repentance that's not exactly a balanced music ministry so a good music ministry moves us in a holy direction evaluating ourselves repentance and uh, making right choices that will cause us to reflect on how we're living music that is suitable to the people, to the culture to the occasion so let's go, what are the experts saying show me in a truly transformational synagogue, worship leaders engage the entire congregation, which thrives better when there is prayer and worship that is engaging, living, and spiritually moving. This is what the, 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 the research says. I'm a musically talented person. I have great limitations. But I'm doing what I can to try and help us at the synagogue to have music that is engaging, living, and spiritually moving, that, that people uh, connect with, and that connects people with God. That's what experts are saying. Next one. The key factor, this is uh, uh, by a fellow named Ron Wolfson, who is uh, an anthropologist, who's uh, one of the key experts on synagogue renewal in our day, The key factor in a singing congregation is the presence of a musical leader who understands the importance of finding ways to teach and to lead the community to a new level of participation. That's an important word, participation. I want to encourage you, uh, when you come here on Saturdays, uh, don't just come because you want to hear a sermon. When I led this congregation for 20 years, there were many people who showed up in time for the sermon. They missed the first hour and a half of the service. They showed up in time for the sermon. So you know what I did? I started doing the sermon at the beginning of the... I started doing the sermon at 10 o'clock. So when they came in at 11.30 in time for the sermon, we had already done the sermon an hour and a half earlier. That was not a way to win friends and influence people. You know. But I wanted to make a point. When... You come to a service. We are here to serve God. And we're not here to be couch potatoes. This is not TBN. we, we, we We are here to participate. And hopefully the music is going to be something you can connect with. Although I recognize that for many of you it's a cultural learning curve. We are a Jewish congregation. We can't be everything but hopefully you'll do what you can to participate. Okay, let's go on. So let's go back to the scripture and pick up some of our lessons here. I want you to understand that music is not a kind of a 20th century, 21st century add-on, kind of a sauce that we're adding. No. Back in the in Ezekiel chapter 3 we read when they were restoring worship and building the second temple, it says, when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of Adonai, the Kohanim, that's the priests in their robes with trumpets, and the Levites, the places, to praise Adonai, as David, the king of Israel, had instructed. Next slide. They sang antiphonally. That means one group sang, the other group responded. The praising and giving thanks to Adonai, for he is good, for his grace continues forever toward Israel. All the people raised a great shout of praise to Adonai, because the foundation of the house of Adonai had been laid. What's my point? My point... My point is that, um, that music... Was, part of, was a foundational part of the worship uh, right there at the beginning. Uh, am I on your way? Okay. Uh, is was there right at the beginning. They're restoring worship for the second temple. They're surrounded by enemies. They're surrounded by enemies, and yet they're going to do it right. They build the altar first on the foundation of the, of, the, of the first temple's altar, and then they have the musicians come in. So I, I just want you to know, this is not an add-on, it's intrinsic to Jew. In the first temple, next slide please. When the Kohanim, this is the first temple now, this is going back to 5, this is before 586, 587 BCE, when the temple was destroyed. When the Kohanim came out of the holy place, for all the Kohanim who were present had consecrated themselves, that's the priest, they didn't, they didn't keep to their divisions. Also the Levites, who were the singers, all of them, Asaph, Haman, Yututhin, and their sons and relatives, they dressed in fine linen with cymbals, lutes, and lyres, and stood on the east of the altar with them 120 priests sounding trumpets. Was the music a major part of the dedication of the first temple? Yes. Huge. Now, go on to the next slide. When the Kohen... I'm sorry, this is small for you. I'll read it to you. Then, when the trumpeters and the singers were playing in Concord to be heard harmoniously praising and thanking Adonai, and they lifted their voices together with the trumpets, the cymbals, and the other musical instruments to praise Adonai, For he is good, for his grace continues forever. Then the house, the house of Adonai, was filled with a cloud, so that because of the cloud, the Kohanim could not stand to perform their service. For the glory of Adonai filled the house of God. Now, as I said last week, this is the definition of a really successful service. Where God manifests himself so richly that you have to change the whole agenda. You can't just continue with business as usual because God is here. And I told you last week that, our, our, that we'll know that our service and our, that our community is really what God prefers and what God shoots for, what, God, what God's ideal is. When people will come to our service and they'll say, I don't, know if, I don't know if I understand a lot that goes on here, but I'll tell you, I sense that God is here. That's That's what it should be. That's what we should pray for. And here, this is the first temple. And you see hundreds of priests, all involved. They're doing many things. They're sacrificing so many animals, they can't be counted. And there's a lot of pageantry, a lot of liturgy. And they come in with the music, and then the presence of God. The cloud of God's presence comes in. And they all have to get out of there because it's too rich. It's too much. They can't stand in the presence of God. Music is not some kind of a special sauce that we add to worship to kind of flavor it. It is intrinsic to biblical worship. Now let's back up a little bit more. We've gone from the second temple, we've gone back to the first temple. Here, this is before the first temple. This is when David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant from the tent into the city of David. And we read this. And they brought the Ark of God and placed it inside the tent, which David had pitched for it. And they offered burnt before God. He appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the Ark of the Lord, even to celebrate, that is, lahazkir. Lahazkir means to bring to remembrance. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. The priests did uh, the worship team, this is the role of a worship team, to bring to remembrance, to thank, Lahodot, and to praise the Lord God of Israel. We'll talk about this bringing to remembrance in a moment. Next slide. Asaf, the chief, and the second to him, Zechariah, and then Ye'iel, and Shemirot, and Yechiel, and Matityah, and Eliab and Baniah, Obed-Edom and Ye'iel with musical instruments, harps, lyres, also Asaph playing loud-sounding cymbals. Baniah and Yehaziel, the priests, blew trumpets and continually before the ark of the covenant of God. Then on that day, David first assigned Asaph and his relatives to give thanks to God. Now I want you to see, this is part of what they said that day. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Speak of all his wonders. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. I'll have more to say about that. Let me say it right now. I'll repeat it later on. When the Spirit comes, you find in Scripture the coming of the Spirit creates elevated speech what I would call elevated speech. You'll see in the first... I've been teaching a Bible study on Luke and Acts on Wednesdays. And you find that in the beginning of Luke, the first couple of chapters, the Holy Spirit visits Zechariah, who's going to be the father of John the Baptist, and his wife. And the Holy Spirit visits Miriam, who's the mother of Yeshua. And you find that when the Spirit comes, they break forth into prophetic speech. Throughout the New Testament, we see that when the Spirit comes, that one of the effects of the coming of the Spirit is it affects speech. So that speaking in tongues is really part of this whole phenomenon that when the Spirit is manifesting, it affects the powers of speech. That's just a fact. It's not a Pentecostal fact. It's a biblical fact. It's not even a Dowerman fact. And, and so that when we're in the presence of God as a community, it's appropriate not merely that we speak to him, but that we sing to him. It's appropriate because there are some religious traditions uh, where, where the, the people who lead the service sing everything. They don't just say it, they sing it. And the reason is, is because there's something about being in the presence of God where speech is elevated In the book of Revelation, are there any songs in the book of Revelation? There are 14. 14 songs in the book of Revelation. In the presence of God, worshiping God, speech ramps up. And one of the ways it ramps up is speech. So, let's continue, please. There were three tasks uh, uh, of the uh, Levites. Well, how's care to bring to remembrance? There are two opinions. Number one, one opinion is they stand before the ark to bring to remembrance for the people who God is. Or they, to remind God of his covenants with the people, to bring to his remembrance, to cause him to remember his covenants with the people, I favor that interpretation. We are asking God, please remember your promises to us. Please remember to keep them. So, lahazkir, to bring to remembrance, lahodot, to thank, and lahalel, to praise. Go to the next slide, please. There are four kinds of music we should always have in a balanced worship context, whether it's a church or a synagogue, uh, a messianic synagogue. Paul talks in Ephesians and he talks in Colossians about psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Let's talk about that for a moment. Psalms are scripture songs. Psalo is a Greek term meaning pluck. So it's music sung to, uh, it's songs sung to musical accompaniment. Let's say it's scripture songs. That's psalms. Hymns is good theology set to good poetry set to good music. Hymns, good, th- good theology set to good poetry set to good music. As far as I know, I'm the only Messianic music person alive who's writing, still writing hymns. Uh, th- th- that's very lacking as being old and dusty and passé. But good theology set to good poetry set to good music. Like this song. The soul of every living thing shall bless your name. The spirit of mortal flesh extol your fame. God of the first and of the last forever the same. You ransom and rescue us. Deliver and save. That's a hymn. Psalms, scripture, set to music. Hymns, good theology, set to good poetry, set to music. And spiritual songs is really, I think, more first my experience with God. And this would include people who sing in tongues. Tongues... It's Ben Edelman here today. <coughs> it occurs to me, Ben Edelman is an artist who works with us, a member of our congregation. He's a fine artist. He can paint representational pain, uh, paintings that are absolutely gorgeous. I've seen some of the things he does where he's painting uh, human figures and things like that. It's great. But he also does abstract painting. Now, I wanted to ask him, uh, um, what, what's the difference between what happens with you when you do very representational painting and when you do very abstract painting? And I think that, that speaking in tongues is to speech what abstract painting is to communication. Paul says, I will pray with the understanding, and I will pray with the Spirit also. I will do representational language about God, and I will also do abstract, where it's just where the emotions, the feelings, the presence of the Spirit, my sense of union with God is being expressed, but it's not discursive, it's not descriptive. So I think it is the equivalent in speech of abstract painting in art. Now, that's the first time I've said that and publish it and make a million dollars. So psalms, scripture songs, hymns, good theology set to good poetry set to music, spiritual songs which are very much about our experience with God in the church context. This is a song that I don't happen to like. I serve a risen Savior, He's in the world today. Uh, I know that He is risen, whatever men may say. I feel something... I know He's here. He lives, He lives... Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me. He talks with me. A long life's narrow way. He lives. He lives salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Is that theology? No. Is that good theology? Is that scripture? No. That's a scripture song. It's all about a person's personal experience. That's a spiritual song. Now, Ben, come here. Now this is spontaneous and unrehearsed. I want to ask you a question. Okay. I told people about you, so if they start stoning you, it's my fault. All right. uh, I told them you're you're an artist, a fine artist. You do you can do very representational art, don't you? Can't yeah, I, you? Yeah, I do. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah, I'm all wrapped up too. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> So, you, uh, now, I may be entirely wrong about this, but I have a, I have a, I have a hunch. You do uh, very representational art, but you also do highly abstract art, correct? Yes. Is it possible in general terms, would, would you say that what happens in you, in, in your creative process when you're doing highly representational art and when you're doing highly abstract art, is it fair to say that you're operating in two different modalities of your own creative being? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Huh? Yeah, for sure. Alright. Yeah. Do you, you want to say anything about that? But I do, I do experience uh, nature between the two as like a, a separate thing that I'm interacting with. Right. Now... I was comparing that to speaking in tongues as far as praying with the understanding and praying with the spirit. When people pray with the understanding, it's like representational art. Uh, they're praying uh, very well defined. But when, you're, but when you're praying in the spirit, you're praying out of, a, uh, out of something which cannot be really verbally expressed in the same way. In other words, if somebody says to you, looking at a piece of abstract art, can you tell me what that means? Well, how do you feel about that kind of a question? It's very annoying. It's very, <laughs> it's very annoying because to say, to say what it means is to say, explain it to me representationally, but it's not representational. It's an entirely different modality of creative expression. Thank you. You made me a happy man. Give him a hand. So... Singing is a form of elevated speech, appropriate to being in the presence of God. And let me—we're almost done. So, praising God with elevated speech—the song here for entertainment, they're not here because we like them because they're danceable. They are a form of elevated speech, appropriate to being in the presence of God. Next slide, please. So let's remember our true audience. It says in Psalm 69. Would you all read this together with me? One, two, three. I will praise God's name with a song and its This will please Adonai more than a bull with its horns and hoofs. So who's our true audience? when we worship. It is God. He is the audience. We are singing in order to please Him, in order to show that we love Him and that we appreciate who He is. One more slide and then I'm actually done. Music is a God of Israel and His people encounter one another and He receives the honor that is due Him. I'm thinking, I'm planning to form a worship team here, a music worship team at Alvacion It's not going to be a team where, where people who just like to sing, anybody who can carry a melody is in there, because there are some people who can ruin a good song just by listening to it. <laughs> uh, uh, a, a group of Levites, so to speak, who are there to lead us in worship. And the music is a medium where the the worship team presents God to the people and where the people present themselves to God. The music is a meeting place. It's meant to be a meeting place between us and God. Do you understand that? Mm -hmm. Let's just read this slide again and I'm done. Music is a priestly function where the God of Israel and his people encounter one another and he receives the honor that is due him. May God In His mercy, do a miracle in this congregation, which is enable us to be truly a worshiping community. We ask that in the name of our righteous Messiah, who loved us and gave Himself for us, and who, even more than usual, gave us something to sing about. Amen? Amen. Thank you.